Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. With available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Welcome to the Early Edge NFL Week 16 Player Prop Preview Show presented by BetMGM. I am your host, EC, and we have a great show planned with a lot of picks. But before we get into it, let's go to last week's recap screen. And I want to take full accountability. I went 0-3. I held these guys down. You know, they used to have that TV show, The Weakest Link. Well, yeah, I was The Weakest Link. Fortunately, they didn't vote me off the island. Wait, I think I just confused reality shows. Nonetheless, glad that we have two of our experts to bring in now, and let's find out what they have on the docket this week. And maybe they can educate me as well. Just wait, you know, it's a little synergy here. We welcome in the best prop better that I know of. I'd call him the best prop better in the world, and that's our buddy Prop Stars. And I'm going to call him the best fantasy football expert in the world, CBS Sports uh, fantasy expert Dave Richard, a.k.a. Uncle Dave. Uh, Proppy, we'll start with you. I know your point. I like that, the the whole pointing thing. Proppy, this is a big week, week 16, obviously fantasy football playoffs. Last week you mentioned uh, you're a little more hesitant on betting certain lines because the lines are getting sharper. Still feel that way, obviously, going into week 16? I do. EC, great to see you, by the way. Uncle Dave, always great to see you guys. I am fired up. Yeah, at this stage of the season, if you if you didn't hear what I was discussing last week uh, throughout the show, uh, I really feel that the books have become sharper and sharper, specifically uh, or primarily, I should say, with player props. There's a lot more data now that the books have uh, regarding all of these players. So as a result of that, we just see these lines really start to tighten up, become a lot more efficient. My betting volume significantly decreases by this stage of the season as well. Early on in the year, that's the bulk of my betting volume. I would suggest somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 to 70% of the total bets that I make over the course of the NFL season take place in the first five weeks of the NFL regular season. So at this point, uh, my volume has drastically reduced somewhere uh, in the neighborhood of probably uh, 20 to 30% of what I'm doing early on in the season. And I would just caution everyone at this stage to to just uh, be cautious and, uh, yeah, just be careful. The books are very sharp. Probably let me tell you a guy who's not cautious, and that's Uncle Dave because he has seven picks on the docket this week. Now, listen, Dave, I really want to know this before we get going. How many hours of film do you watch on on a weekly basis for putting together all of your CBS Sports Fantasy rankings, columns, et cetera? How many, how much time does that look like from a film standpoint? 
I mean, so first of all, I don't sit and rewatch the broadcast of each game. When you boil down an NFL game without commercials and the time spent in between plays, you can get through a game in about 11 minutes if you don't need mm. to rewatch a play. And I also don't watch, you know, running back has a carry for three yards. Like, I'm, I'm not going to learn anything from that. Okay, quarterback takes a knee. I'm not learning anything from that. So with that being said, I can still get through most of what I watch. I, let's see. Uh, I really can't do any on Sunday. There's like four or five hours on Monday. And then on, between Tuesday and Wednesday, probably another four or five hours. And I don't get to everything. I just can't. But I get through a lot. And I learn a lot. And that's what helps me in fantasy. And that's what helps me here, you see. You know, one thing that you do that I really appreciate on X, a.k.a. Twitter, is you post running back splits mm -hmm. as far as, you know, what the snap counts and percentages for certain running backs. And it's really helpful to see which guys are taking up a lion's share of the backfield. For example, you put out today about the Rams backfield with Kyron Williams versus uh, Ronnie Rivers Ronnie last Rivers. night. Yeah. yeah. So let's start in the with a running back prop, and you're going to go with a Carolina running back that's actually getting a ton of volume these days, who is it and why? It's Chuba Hubbard, and I'm taking the over on his rushing yards against Green Bay at 71 and a half. If you can find it for lower, take it. It's out there. Since Frank Reich was fired, Chuba Hubbard has gone over this in three straight games, and he's had at least 22 carries in three straight games. Hmm, I wonder what that attempts prop is. And that also includes a blowout loss against the New Orleans Saints. So Carolina has been competitive in two of these three games, and even when they're not competitive, Man, they're giving Chuba the ball. I love that. Chuba Hubbard and the Panthers are going to take on a Packers defense that's given up at least 80 rushing yards to a running back in three straight games, four of its past six games. And within the last hour, we learned that Packers middle linebacker Devondre Campbell is not going to play in this game. This makes this run defense, which is already giving up 4.1 yards per carry when Campbell plays, it falls to 4.7 when he doesn't play. And the Green Bay defense got throttled last week by Tampa Bay. I kind of think that maybe Carolina sort of keeps it close, and maybe that means that Chuba Hubbard stays in the game script. But like I told you, with that Saints blowout game, Chuba Hubbard got a lot of work, and he went over this number. I think he'll go over 72 yards again. Chuba Hubbard over 71.5 rushing yards, minus 117. Yeah, I think that's a great pick, Dave. I think as far as Green Bay's rush defense, we've seen that. There are some holes, and I'm a Packers fan. Not necessarily fun to watch. The guy that torched them last week is a guy that Proppy is fading this week, a guy that's actually been on fire yeah. and has been a fantasy dynamo and is very high in Uncle Dave's fantasy rankings on CBSSports.com. Proppy, why are you fading Rashad White? Yeah, I would preface by stating that I still believe Rashad White can have a very effective game if you own him in fantasy, uh, certainly capable of making a massive impact as a receiver out of the backfield. Uh, he is first on ESPN's open score at the running back position. So uh, obviously making a, a lot of uh, headways as a receiver. We see his production has been very good. But, yeah, he has been the real deal. But I'm going to fade him as a running back or as a pure rusher uh, against uh, this Jacksonville Jaguars defense. I'm going under 72 and a half rushing yards. Uh, again, White has been phenomenal, specifically over the second half of the season. He's really picked things up, uh, really been good. Despite Tampa Bay not necessarily having a great offensive line, uh, especially a run blocking line, but I feel like we're we're buying high or we're selling high here essentially at his absolute. P 
peak. The volume has been very high. But I just really think this matchup against Jacksonville's defense, while it's not maybe one of the two or three best run defenses in the NFL, they still rank in the top 10 in nearly every defensive rushing metric. They're also a significant pass funnel as well. Teams that are playing against Jacksonville are opting to uh, pass against them versus running the football. So I just don't know if we're going to see Rashad White get the 20 to 22 rushing attempts that, in my opinion, it's going to take for him to eclipse this total. I think he makes a bigger impact in the passing game. I still think he can have a big game. Uh, so I'm not suggesting benching him in fantasy football or anything like that. I just think it's going to be tough sledding for him, specifically between the tackles on the ground. Dave, what do you think about that? I, I know you're, you've been high on Rashad White. We all have. I mean, Rashad White is carrying fantasy football owners and DFS players. It's been very consistent over the last six weeks or so. What do you think about Proppy's explanation as far as the uh, as fading his rushing total? So I don't. I've learned to not challenge Proppy about his picks, and usually, not usually, always he knows what he's talking about. So now it's making me kind of second guess myself. And is there something that I've missed here? Because first of all, there's no question everybody's starting Rashad White in fantasy. A lot of what he can do to help out fantasy managers, though, is through the air. And recently, it's been more about him catching fewer passes and running more. And I wonder if the workload is still going to be strong for him and the game script favorable for him. Here's what I'm thinking. If this happens, it's going to be because he goes back to being inefficient as a runner. Could still get 20 carries, only turns it into 65 or 70 yards. Something like that I could see happening. But I also just I, – I, I feel like Jacksonville's defense, they're worse against the pass than the run. But Rashad White's been hot lately. But if Proppy says it, I buy into it. I would never challenge him on a player prop showdown. That's for sure. And that is something that's very good advice. You know, I should probably learn from that because there is going to be one pick. Dave, that Proppy might not be a fan of of mine. We'll, we'll get to that. Go ahead, Proppy. As a precursor to that pick, I, I would uh, encourage people. I prefer, I much prefer uh, Trevor Lawrence to be starting for this particular Rashad White prop. I prefer Trevor Lawrence to be starting at quarterback for Jacksonville uh, against C.J. Beathard. If Beathard plays, I still like the play. I have a tremendous amount of more conviction, however, if Lawrence is playing Reason being, I really think that Jacksonville with Trevor Lawrence can push Tampa into a higher volume passing attack. Uh, if Beathard is a quarterback, I could see Tampa relying more on Rashad White and the ground game. It does appear, based on what I'm reading, which is why I'm putting this prop out now, that Lawrence seems to have a fairly good chance of playing. Uh, I think Doug Peterson suggested it was greater than 50-50. There's Dave. one other factor to keep in mind, is, and that is that if Tampa Bay finds themselves winning in the fourth quarter, and I'm not talking about winning by three, but maybe it's a blowout, maybe Beathard does play, then Tampa could get wise here and start to take some work away from Rashad White. Let Chase Edmonds get some carries. Let Sean Tucker get some carries. Man, I love Sean Tucker as a sleeper. But I, I think that that could also come into play as a way for you to help win Proppy's prop. Now, where can you bet both of these running back props and all of the other props that we're going to talk about on the show today? Go to BetMGM. BetMGM has all the action for every sports fan. New BetMGM customers can sign up today and get a first bet offer up to $1,500. If your first bet loses, you'll receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets with bonus code EDGE1500. That's EDGE1500. 
All right, let's find out a little from our sponsor. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Now it's time for receiver props. And Dave, before you get into your pick, Mm -hmm. I had a season-long, I put together a season-long thousand-yard parlay at the start of the year. And I had four receivers. Okay. Uh, And a few of them are actually covered. But the one that does not look like it's going to hit, actually, I, I think we've, I had DJ Moore. I had DK Metcalf. I had Calvin Ridley, who's on the fence. And my fourth one was uh, Drake London. Now, Drake London needs to average between 80 and 90 yards a game uh, over the next three weeks to get there. A little uh, fishy, but you actually like him this week. Why is that? I like him this week. I don't know if I like your prop parlay, unfortunately. Let's, Let's focus on the good stuff. Let's focus on a way for you to recoup some of that loss, theoretical loss anyway, if Drake doesn't come through. I'm taking the over on his receiving yards. I got it at 53 and a half. You might see it out there, 55, 56. I think it's still okay at that number. I think the Falcons are going to need to air it out this week. And when they do that, London tends to put up good numbers. And that was not the case last week. And if you paid attention to the Fantasy Football Today podcast, you would have known that we were off of Drake London We figured that they wouldn't need to throw that much against Carolina, and it turns out they needed to throw against Carolina. They just didn't do it. Weather could have also been a factor. Helping the cause here with Drake London is a quarterback switch in Atlanta to Taylor Heineke. He throws downfield a little bit more often than Desmond Ritter does. He's a little bit more aggressive than Desmond Ritter has been. He doesn't complete as many passes as Desmond Ritter, but that's because he's taking more chances with the football. And I'm looking for that here with Drake London. And the other thing about it is that we haven't really seen much of Taylor Heineke with Drake London. The one game, only one game this year, where Taylor Heineke played four quarters, Drake London was inactive. I wonder if he's chomping at the bit a little bit Uh, that makes sense, to go to Drake London as his number one target against Indianapolis. And here's the matchup. The Colts' pass defense, it's been a mess all season. But in their last two games, they got big defensive tackle Grover Stewart back, and they are outstanding against the run. It's under four yards per carry by a ton. But in those same games, they've allowed a 72.5% completion rate, 8.7 yards per attempt, 6.9 yards after contact per reception, two opposing passing games. And one of those teams was the Pittsburgh Steelers. So I think that there's a huge opportunity for Drake London to soak in targets from Taylor Heineke and come through. Listen, 60 yards is all I'm looking for. I'm not looking for him to get what what EC needs, 80 or 90 yards. That could happen, but I'm looking for him to get somewhere between 60 and 70 yards, probably on six or seven catches. We're taking the over on Drake London's receiving prop. 
I'll tell you what, Dave, I'm, I'm laddering this just because you like it. I'm going up to one and a quarter just because I need it. You know, I'm kind of I, I need it for my season long prop. Hey, what can I do? But you and Proppy have some synergy with your next pick, Dave. You like uh, both of you like Justin Jefferson, but in a different way. Dave, why don't you tell us what you like? I mean, of course, we like Justin Jefferson. Let me give you the analysis. He's really good at football. I, I could stop there, but the last time I did that, we we kind of jinxed the player and we lost the player prop. So let's just give the full analysis for Justin Jefferson over six and a half catches plus money, plus 105. Jefferson had seven catches last week, 10 targets last week. The quarterback was Nick Mullins. Nick Mullins threw at him 31.3% of the time when he dropped back. That's incredible. That's all we needed to see. Okay. Nick Mullins knew the assignment. Justin Jefferson's out there. Justin Jefferson's getting the football. And that was against Cincinnati. This week, it's Detroit. Outside wide receivers like Jefferson have caught 76% of their passes against Detroit in its past five games. And that doesn't include what Detroit gives up to slot receivers. And Jefferson lined up in the slot a quarter of the time last week. And in case you like history, and you know how I feel about history, usually I'm not a huge fan of it, but this is kind of fun. You should know that Jefferson's had at least seven catches in four of his past five against the Detroit Lions. Is that really a shocker? I don't think it is. This is a competitive line making it at six and a half. It's not a slam dunk by any means, but not one that we should get odds on. And that's the bigger factor. If you're seeing this line at minus 125, minus 130, uh, maybe take a walk from it. But if you can get plus money or even up to 115, I'd say go ahead and take it. It's my favorite prop of the week. Justin Jefferson over six and a half receptions. Oh, I love seeing a plus sign when it comes to props here. Now, Proppy, I also love the number that you got on Justin Jefferson as far as his receiving yards. I think it's still even a little bit low, especially with the analysis that Uncle Dave just gave. I would agree, yeah, and I love Dave's pick as well, but I am also on Justin Jefferson. Over 82 and a half receiving yards. I think Dave really hit the nail on the head of why this is a good matchup for Justin Jefferson. Just to add to it, uh, I love the matchup against Detroit for a bevy of reasons. A, Detroit. They are an aggressive offense. They're a high-powered offense. They're able to push Minnesota into uh, an up-tempo or high-volume passing attack. We could definitely see some game script that favors Jefferson and uh, Nick Mullins having to air the football out quite a bit. Optimal conditions as well, playing inside the dome in Minnesota. Then this Detroit pass defense, they are absolutely terrible. Not only are they bad, but they are bad against opposing number one wide receivers. They they uh, double-team opposing number one wide receivers at one of the lowest rates in the league, which is a great news for Justin Jefferson. Uh, and they also give up a ton of production to opposing first reads, uh, which we know Justin Jefferson is. On all 10 of his targets that Dave mentioned he had last week, he was the first read. So he is targeted as the first read as much as any player in football because of how phenomenal he is. So this is just a potential spike week for Jefferson. This one checks all the boxes for me. Uh, love this spot for Jefferson as well, and I love Dave's prop. All right, no EC jinx here, but I'm calling at least eight catches and at least 100 yards for Jefferson. Maybe I'm biased, but I just have a big – I have a feeling based on the analysis that both of you gave the, that he is in for a big week. Now, Proppy, you have another player that I really, really like this week, but does Seattle know how to use DK Metcalf correctly? Because they really huh. didn't target him as much – until the final drive against your Eagles on Monday night. 
I believe they do. I think that was largely a function of Drew Locke playing quarterback. But, yeah, I love DK Metcalf specifically in this matchup, matchup against the Tennessee Titans. We're going over 62 and a half receiving yards. Something interesting, if you haven't watched a lot of Seattle, has happened this year. DK has really separated himself from Tyler Lockett, uh, from Jackson Smith, the Jigba. He is the number one alpha wide receiver. His target profile uh, is significantly better, I should say, or more impressive than Lockett, who have sort of worked as a 1A, 1B situation throughout the majority of both of their careers. But yeah, DK Metcalf is getting the majority of the targets. He's getting the high value or high leverage targets deep down the field in the splash zone. He's getting the targets when the team is also getting blitzed at a heavy rate as well, which basically covers almost every single scenario. So yeah, he has really separated himself uh, as that number one guy. Then we love this matchup against the Tennessee Titans. They're a significant pass funnel. Again, what I mean by that is teams are opting to attack Tennessee through the air because it is the path of least resistance, and teams are having a lot more success throwing against Tennessee than they are running against Tennessee. So I can see Geno Smith uh, potentially getting some additional passing attempts in this game, and it uh, DK is certainly his number one wide receiver. Again, I look for potential spike weeks, ceiling weeks. This one also checks all the boxes for me. Uh, love DK in this spot against this pass funnel defense. Music to my ears, Proppy. Absolutely love it. But I don't think my pick is going to be music to your ears. Well, it might be. We'll see what you think. Uh, Calvin Ridley, over 55 and a half receiving yards at minus 115. This line may go up if Trevor Lawrence does play, but I want to pick on the Tampa Bay pass defense. Teams are averaging 299 yards a game against the Buccaneers in their last 10 contests. 14 receivers in those 10 games have gone over this total against the Buccaneers. Now, we know the Jacksonville quarterback situation is up in the air. Is it C.J. Beathard? Is it Trevor Lawrence? I actually agree with what Proppy said earlier. I think Trevor Lawrence probably gets the nod. But Christian Kirk is already out with that painful injury we saw from Monday night the other week. Zay Jones, their number three receiver, is unlikely so who's going to catch the ball for Jacksonville? Tra uh, Travis Etienne out of the backfield, Evan Engram, the tight end. But I think Calvin Ridley is going to get his looks. He has 25 combined targets in his last two games with Christian Kirk out. Proppy, hearing that logic, are you on board with taking a stab at this Calvin Ridley prop? It is, but I uh, I mentioned this to you previously. You see that I would much prefer uh, the comfort of knowing that Trevor Lawrence is under center. If it's C.J. Beathard, that's, that to me is a steep, steep downgrade at the quarterback position and for the entire Jacksonville offense. If Lawrence plays, I love the spot for Calvin Ridley. I expect him to be the engine of the passing attack. And as you mentioned, there's a depleted pass catcher group, and he certainly should get a lot of targets. But Ridley, who I like a lot, has really struggled from an efficiency standpoint, even with Trevor Lawrence, who is, uh, you know, a, a fire above average quarterback. To me, Beathard is too much of a downgrade. I would prefer to play this just knowing 100% confirmation uh, that is, in fact, Trevor Lawrence under center. Dave, what are your thoughts on, on this Ridley prop with Trevor Lawrence and without? If you were to play it with Lawrence, how high would you play it up to? And without Lawrence, would you eat? Would you stay away, or would you give it a shot at at this low total of fifty five and a half? I would imagine that as soon as word gets out, and word might already be out that Trevor Lawrence is going to play, uh, the number is going to pop. And I don't like this number at all. I would actually take the under if it's C.J. Beathard under center. We're talking about a quarterback that's somewhere between five and percentage 
five to 10 percentage points worse with his completion rate over the course of his career compared to Trevor Lawrence, someone who doesn't read the field or have nearly as strong of an arm as Trevor Lawrence. He's a backup for a reason. And Calvin Ridley's already shown huge inefficiency last week, last two weeks, 25 targets, nine catches. It's not right. So I, I would be nervous. I, I, Let's see. If Trevor Lawrence plays, would I play it at like 60 and a half? I know it's Tampa, but they're getting healthy in that secondary and really might just make too many mistakes. And Lawrence could always, you know, come off the field. Some crazy stuff happens. I would stay away. I think I would stay away unless you can find it somewhere between yeah, it's 56 and a half and lower with Trevor Lawrence playing. Now, you may or may not agree with my analysis, but I'll tell you, with Uncle Dave and Proppy, these guys know their stuff. Hit the like button on our video. If you are watching now, we can use all the likes. I support these guys and, and show us, uh, give us some likes, and we appreciate it. All right, Dave, you got a couple more uh, receiving props uh, to get to, including a running back that's not even a starter, but I actually think this is a, a savvy bet. Explain. Well, he's not a savvy vet because he's a rookie. Savvy and vet. Savvy in vet. time, he could become yeah. a savvy vet. In time, he could be the starting running back for the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm talking about Chase Brown. I'm taking the over on his receiving prop. 17 and a half receiving yards is all we need. He's been over in two straight. He's had three catches in each of those games, and he's taken on a Steelers defense. EC, they're starting two brand-new safeties, and their linebackers have been a mess. If you watched the game between the Colts and the Steelers last week, you saw Trey Sermon and Tyler Goodson, two guys. You don't even know who they are unless you went to Ohio State and wherever Tyler Goodson went to college. I forget right now. Please forgive me for that. But they're struggling. And so their solution at linebacker appears to be putting Miles Jack on the field. This is a slow-footed linebacker that Chase Brown should be able to scoop past. And he's getting opportunities from Jake Browning who's been dinking and dunking his way down the field. Last week was different, though. Jake Browning did attack downfield. I wonder if a little bit of that was because he needed to. It was a high-scoring game. It was a come-from-behind game. And so Jake Browning had to let his hair down a little bit, aired it out, and it worked out for him. I don't know if he's going to need to do that in this game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. And there's one other tiny, teensy-weensy thing. Jamar Chase isn't playing for the Cincinnati Bengals, okay? That opens up a ton of targets for everybody in the offense. But if they're going to take a mindful approach and be a little more conservative, lean into the matchups that they'll have against those Steelers linebackers, those Steelers safeties, try and negate that pass rush a little bit, Chase Brown makes all the sense in the world. He's a part-time player, but he might start to creep up on Joe Mixon a little bit more and more each week. I'm taking over 17 and a half receiving yards this week against the Steelers. And the other one, hey, I'm just bringing you all the big name guys. First, Chase Brown. And now Josh Palmer of the L.A. Chargers. Over 39 and a half receiving yards at minus 115. This number is just too low for a guy who should end up being the number one target for the Chargers. He had 34 yards last week after he caught a 79-yard touchdown against the Raiders. He's had at least three catches in each of his past seven games. He's averaged at least 15 yards per catch in all but two of those games. Do the math. You can see there's a shot to easily blow past this number without having to get five, six, seven catches in the game. And fortunately for us, he's taking on the Bills. You saw what the Bills did last week. 
They crushed the Cowboys. Now they're taking on the Chargers. They just changed coaches. They just cut one of their best run stoppers on defense. This is a team that's thinking about Cabo not beating the Buffalo Bills. Playing from behind, Josh Palmer in his second game back makes all the sense in the world to me that they're going to go and put the ball in his hands, not Quentin Johnson, not as much Gerald Everett, and we see Josh Palmer come through and we only need 40 or 50 yards to make this thing happen. We don't even need 50. 40 is literally the number over Josh Palmer, 39 and a half receiving yards at minus 115. In Easton Stick, we trust. Proppy, thoughts on those two plays from Dave. Some unheralded guys, not necessarily the bigger names that we had talked about earlier in this segment. Thoughts on either one of those plays? I legitimately really like both of them. Starting with Chase Brown, uh, looks very, very explosive out of the backfield. Uh, I would add that Jake Browning is playing a lot better than uh, I think most people realize as well. He's been highly efficient. He's handled the blitz well. I've been very impressed with Jake Browning, spreading the ball around as well. So uh, I, I like the I like to play with Chase Brown, who's been eating into uh, Joe Mixon's uh, backfield share quite a bit. And then as far as Joshua Palmer is concerned, uh, I, I think it's significantly too low for Palmer for his role in the offense. He's been highly productive. Uh, he actually, while Keenan Allen was healthy, he was even playing more snaps routinely than Keenan Allen. He's certainly going to function as the number one guy for Easton Stick. And yeah, if Palmer had not had that injury that cost him a five to six week stint on injured reserve, he'd be having uh, a thousand yard season and this number would be significantly higher. So you're getting it at a discount as a result. Love them both. Dave. I, I think one of the lessons that we can learn from this year is that a lot of players came out of nowhere, stayed on the field, and got better as they did it. Jake Browning is an example of that. Kyron Williams of the Rams is another player who's done that. Um, Puka Nakua, technically, is one of those players. He came out uh, as a rookie, was great against zone coverage, struggled against man. As the years gone on, he's gotten better. And I wonder if the same thing could happen to Chase Brown as we just keep moving forward here. He continues to get experience. He improves as a player. He can come through and help us this week on the player prop, but there might be some opportunities to keep going after and keep hammering Chase Brown's overs moving forward. Proppy. And that's ultimately what we're doing here as prop bettors, as handicappers, is we're trying to find these spots where the books – or the public, the general public, the consensus isn't quite aware of how good said player is. Those are really the opportunities you're going to find. It's, it's rarely going to be on the guys who are firmly entrenched as a number one guy, like Christian McCaffrey. His lines are going to be fairly efficient for the most part. It's going to be on the Chase Brown the Josh Palmers uh, of the world that are going to really provide you with a lot of value. So uh, for prop betters, that's where I would try to focus my attention because it's such a massive landscape and there's so many props available. I'd be looking at those opportunities where the books just simply don't have as much data or much information as you may have. So to me, those are really, really the value spots. After hearing you guys talk about Chase Brown, Proppy, I'm patting myself on the back. You and I are in a dynasty league together, and I traded for Chase Brown during the season and bought him at a low point. I'm actually feeling pretty good about that. Now, what I'm not necessarily feeling as good about is my passing prop, and I'll explain that after we hear from one of our sponsors. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Now it's time for passing props. You know, I, I want to say, Uncle Dave, you're a mensch. You reached out to me earlier this week. You, you gave me some advice and I thought I'd put it to good use with this passing prop. I took, you know, you said, here's a formula that you kind of indicated to me. You want to find props with good game flow a high projected total, in this case, going with the highest of the week, which is 50 points, a key player, and good coaching. So I'm rolling with Dak Prescott's over 36 and a half passing attempts. Miami has a great run defense. They're fourth best against the run, but they're kind of middling against the pass. Dak is over this total in six of his 14 games and has 30 or more attempts in his last nine games. Now, I'm go- I chose to play this 36 and a half number, albeit it's a little high, over his yards in case he is inefficient, like last week, we're on 34 attempts. He threw for only 134 yards against the Bills. But Dave, as you pointed out to me off air, Dallas is having trouble uh, with their offensive line. Zach Martin banged up. Uh, Tyron Smith may not play. The way that I look at it is Dallas, you know, Dak, run, running attack, don't expect much from Tony Pollard and company, but the short passing game, out of the shotgun, get rid of the ball quickly for Dak, and we rack up our passing attempts. Give me your thoughts, not only on this prop, but when there is offensive line trouble, what your strategy is when it comes to making prop bets. My my strategy is to stay away, and that it's not just for prop bets. It's for fantasy as well, and we can look to the Dolphins game last week as a perfect and interesting example. The Dolphins' offensive line was really beat up. They had three starters in the beginning of the year playing All three of them had notable injuries. One of them left with a significant injury. But the Dolphins did a really smart thing. They let Tua get the ball out quick. And we're talking less than two seconds, EC. And he did a good job of that, I'd say, on like 70% of his throws. And then he ended up blowing out the Jets. He didn't need to throw that much. The unders were the play there, not necessarily the overs. If there's examples, recent examples, of Dak Prescott doing the same thing, then I'm all in. I love the prop. I'm with you on that. But I remember a couple of games earlier this year where Dak didn't have a good offensive line. There were times where he struggled. There were times where he was pulled. And so it makes me a little bit nervous to be with you on the over on this. I think I'd stay away. But if we do end up seeing both guys play, we're talking about Zach Martin, who looks good to play, and Tyron Smith, eh, I don't know if he's going to play. But if they're both in, I think Dallas is going to have to throw. And I think that would make this prop look really enticing. We just have to wait and see who plays and who doesn't for the Cowboys. Exactly. Now, Proppy, I want to ask you uh, about motivations here. So we saw Dallas get whacked last week against Buffalo. 
do you, from a props angle, do you look at kind of the the next week? All right, an elite team bouncing back offensively. And number two, Dak is still in the thick of this MVP race. Now we know Brock Purdy is the favorite, but let's say Baltimore upsets San Francisco on Monday night and Dak has a big game against Miami. He's right back in it. Are you giving up on Dak from an MVP point of view, first of all? And secondly, do you play the, hey, they had a bad week, uh, I'm going to play him to, to do better this week angle at all? Uh, I really don't pay attention to narrative-based plays or, or really factor in motivation or anything like that. These guys are professional athletes. They're motivated to play uh, each and every week. Uh, I don't think something like that is going to factor in and make a significant difference uh, as far as the Cowboys game plan, whether uh, how they're choosing to approach a matchup or uh, attack a potential matchup or really how Dak's level of play is going to be to me. He's going to be playing uh, at the highest potential level that he can possibly play, uh, regardless of if he's in the MVP mix or not. So uh, I would say next to no uh, factor as far as I'm concerned. That being said, there are exceptions in, in the event that a team has lost consecutive games and I personally feel uh, there may be some uh, not even extra motivation but I think there's value uh, on the team's side or total that could factor in but nothing to the extent of a player being more up for a matchup uh, in comparison because of some said narrative reason. And additionally the Cowboys I'm sure they'd love Dak to be the MVP they want to be the one seed in the NFC that path is there. They have to win out. And it starts by beating the Dolphins in Miami. Kind of a tall task, but it's a tall task for Miami, too. It's going to be – I'm really fascinated by the game on Sunday. I can't wait for this one specifically. And uh, we'll see what they do. But Mike McCarthy does deserve credit. One of the things I told you, see smart coaches, guys who can come up with a good game plan. McCarthy deserves the benefit of the doubt. Looking at just this year – Previous years might not be so good, but this year McCarthy's done a really good job. Probably. And just just to piggyback, you see what Dave said. Uh, Cowboys awarding the number one seed trumps anything. Uh, so their objective is to win the football game. However, they do that just is based on the potential matchup and how the coaching staff feels is the, the most effective way to attack their opponent. But that is above and beyond anything. Uh, again, week 17 or week 18 now where a team is completely out of playoff contention and there's a player that has contract incentives, that could be a rare exception or I may look at something like that, but uh, more times than not, or not more times than not, I'm 99% of the time I'm ignoring all narrative-based motivation uh, or, you know, re- reasoning, conviction uh, for playing something. Hold on a okay. second. Can I ask one last thing? I know we got to mm-hmm. go, but Proppy, if you heard that a, a receiver was, you know, 65 yards away from notching 1,000 yards, maybe it's the first time in his career, maybe it's to do it in consecutive years, does that play into your mind at all, knowing that that receiver has motivation and the team probably knows it? Yes, but – only in the event, Dave, I wouldn't. I I would rather the team be out of contention or having already secured a playoff position. To me, that would be secondary or tertiary uh, if the team is playing for something. But yeah, in the event the season's over for whatever reason, they've clinched a playoff berth, and that scenario that would mean something to me. But yeah, it's pretty rare. Now we talked about Dak Prescott, and obviously Dallas is at the forefront of the uh, NFC playoff race. Dave, you have a couple of quarterback props from quarterbacks that are on the outside 
of their respective playoff races. And you're fading in a way. My guy, Jordan Love, as a, as a Packer guy. Now, listen, Jordan Love, I, I was very anti-Love earlier in the year, but he's shown something lately. But you're going, you're taking under. Explain that, please. Yeah, hear this out, EC, and then let me know what you think. I'm taking the under on his pass attempts, under 33 and a half at minus 117. He's been pass heavy. He's been over this in six of his past eight games. But there's a real path for the Packers to limit him because of the game script and because of their own run game. Clear trend here where opposing teams don't throw a ton against the Carolina Panthers. On the season, no team has seen fewer pass attempts than the Carolina Panthers. 28.4 pass attempts per game. Teams are getting it done running the football, grinding down the clock, not having to throw that much, and Carolina can't answer offensively. Only when a team subscribes to this theory and then can't score touchdowns in the pouring rain because their coaching staff makes ridiculous decisions like not giving their best running back the ball. They, I got to calm down. I'm calming down. Take a second. Last week was rough for me. I apologize. Anyway, anyway. Okay, here we go. Only three quarterbacks this year have gone over 34 pass attempts against Carolina. Only one since week four. Additionally, Packers coach Matt LaFleur lamented that he didn't run the ball enough last week. And we just kind of got done talking about narratives and and what coaches say and what players say. But sometimes coaches will say out loud, hey, we didn't run it enough last week. And then they go and they run it. They overcorrect it the other time, the other way in the following game. And I think Aaron Jones in a second game back, he gets more involved. If A.J. Dillon plays, he runs the ball more. He gets more involved. I don't think the Panthers have an answer, even against this terrible defense when it comes to passing the football. Running the ball, you know where I stand. But throwing the football, I don't think they can do it. Jordan Love won't have to do his usual heavy lifting in this game. He's gone under 34 pass attempts each time this year. It's only been twice, but each time the Packers have had a blowout win, he's been under. It's going to happen a third time. Jordan Love under 33 and a half pass attempts. I like that one. I think great logic there, Dave. Uh, Proppy. Uh, I didn't like that one. I love that one. I'm kicking myself here for not having found that myself, Dave. That was absolutely tremendous, tremendous rationale and support for that play. I absolutely love the angle. Uh, That is a phenomenal uh, spot, Dave. Well done. Kudos to you. Now, before we get to your prop, uh, Proppy, I want to get Dave's second prop, which is an interesting one from a team that's still in the periphery of the playoff race. And if you're looking for something to bet on Christmas Eve, uh, the last game before Christmas, need a little stocking stuffer. Yeah. I have one for you. What do you got? Perfect. And I only think this is worth half a unit, not the full unit, but Russell Wilson over 203 and a half passing yards, even money at plus 100. I would take it at minus 110 would not go minus 115 or higher. Wilson's been over this and it's not that high of a number. You think he does this every week. He hasn't, but he's been over this number each of his past two games. It's kind of been as a byproduct of the Broncos having to throw. I think they're going to need to throw against the Patriots. Their run game, not that strong. The Patriots run defense, Excellent. One of the best run defenses in the National Football League. Five of the last eight quarterbacks against the Patriots have thrown for over 210 yards, while the three that didn't were close, 190 yards or more. Wilson has hit on a bunch of deep passes against Belichick's defenses in the past. It's the style of defense that Bill has played 
time after time after time against Russell Wilson. He tries to induce some of those deep throws, and Russ hits them. And Russ has been throwing a ton deep this year. He has the seventh most pass attempts of 20-plus air yards in the National Football League. And New England has allowed an 84.5% catch rate just to running backs this year, 7.4 yards per catch. So they're susceptible to giving up numbers to running backs via the forward pass. That works perfectly for Russell Wilson. If you've watched Broncos games this year, you know that he's throwing those little short dump-off passes to his running backs every single week. He leads NFL quarterbacks in running back target rate at 31.3%. That's a a Sean Payton staple. Keep that in mind moving forward for the running backs that Sean Payton has, especially if he adds a certain running back that he used to have on his team prior – in the in New Orleans, you know who I'm talking about. Maybe he moves to Denver this offseason and ends up being a fantasy hit there because he'll catch passes from Russell Wilson. Anyway, it all adds up. The deep throws, the dink passes to running backs, the fact that the Broncos aren't going to be able to run the ball effectively. Russell Wilson should be able to get us at least 210 yards. Uh, what do you think about uh, – I agree with that. Somebody asked in the chat, Dave, how high would you go up? Wilson's up to 207.5 according to yeah, Mike M. 209.5 is where I'd feel good. Now, how do you feel about the Jordan Love prop? How low would you go? I've seen uh, some books have it at 32 and a half. Your thoughts? I'm good with 32 and a half. I think I might draw the line at 31 and a half. I think okay. that, but it's this one, that one was pretty close. Um, that's, that's it. 31 and a half, and I wouldn't lay 120 with it. Now, Proppy, for your final pick on the show, I think it's my favorite pick that I've seen uh, on the show uh, out of everybody's. I think Justin Fields is going to have a big week, but not just through the air. You have a creative way of of selling this one. Go ahead. And I think I know why you like this a lot, EC, because it's coming not against your teams. I know the Packers are your team, but your hometown team Mm -hmm. uh, in the Arizona Cardinals. But, yeah, I'm going to back Justin Fields' combo line here. It's a big number, but as EC mentioned, I think this is a tremendous spot for him. Going Justin Fields over 262.5 combined passing and rushing yards as we know justin fields he is one of the most uh dual most adept dual threat quarterbacks in the nfl he has uh, elite versatility uh, he has the ability to rack up triple digit rushing yards something very few quarterbacks in the nfl history have been able to do it's been a rough couple weeks for justin fields but this matchup specifically against arizona uh, you cannot ask for a better matchup on paper uh this cardinals team they're terrible versus the pass uh they also allow a ton of explosive downfield passing we know when justin fields is at his best he's hooking up with dj moore with darnell mooney down the field that is where he wants to attack uh so great matchup as far as the passing game is concerned and then they're one of the they're one of the only defenses that's both horrendous against the pass and equally as bad against the run as well they're a significant run funnel to boot teams are having tremendous success rushing against them so this could be just a huge game for justin field just sets up so nicely for how he wants to attack opposing defenses which is down the field if that's covered then he's going to rely on his legs. 
The Cardinals have not been able to stop anybody all year. Uh, and I also think with Kyler Murray at quarterback, Arizona can potentially push Chicago a little bit into the point where they're going to be aggressive attacking. So I think this is just checks all the boxes again for the Justin Fields spike week, specifically against this Cardinals defense. So we're going to go over 262 and a half passing and rushing. Uh, I would implore you to get the combination line here. I really want them paired together because of his dual threat ability. Uh, I don't uh, particularly like his passing or his rushing as standalone props. I really want the combo here. So it's all or nothing as far as I'm concerned. All right, I have one question for each of you on this game. Dave, I want to start with you. Rick mentioned earlier in the chat about DJ Moore. Now, when he and Fields play together, as we remember from that Thursday night game against Washington, it was just that was the ultimate explosion of any player all season. What are you thinking this week in terms of DJ Moore props? Are you high on him as well? I, I'm okay on the yardage. I'm not okay on the catches. Catches feels a little bit too high. This is a matchup where I think both teams might end up running the ball a decent amount. So I, I couldn't find any props for Deontay Foreman or Roshan Johnson. I'd be interested in the over on Deontay Foreman's attempts and yardage and maybe the total, the combo number, I should say, for Roshan Johnson. The over on that one, too. And for James Conner, uh, I kind of like the over on his receptions. I think it was one and a half. I think that that's kind of interesting. Um, ultimately, I, I think the game will have a lot of running in it. Fields does do a lot of running, so I like where where a Proppy's head is at on that one. Proppy, you and I were texting during the Cardinal game last week, and I know this is not a Bears player, but you were really high on Trey McBride, who, by the way, is, I believe, the number one fantasy tight end in Dave's PPR rankings this week on CBSSports.com. You gave quite the comparison in text to me, Proppy, about McBride. Uh, kind of explain why you are a big fan. Yeah, I'm extremely high on Trey McBride. I watch Trey McBride, and frankly, and I don't say this lightly or make this comparison lightly, he looks like a young Travis Kelsey. If you didn't see the name on the back, I would tell you we're watching a young Travis Kelsey play. Uh, just shares a lot of the same traits as uh, Kelsey did or Kelsey does. Just phenomenal athlete at the position, extremely aggressive, physical, uh, able to win downfield as well, a precise route runner. Just explosive. So I love Trey McBride. I think uh, he's essentially their number one wide receiver. He just happens to have tight end eligibility, which makes him just a fantasy superstar. So, yeah, Trey McBride is almost positionless to me. And I think uh, just based on what we're seeing this year and over the second half of the season, he is headed for potential greatness. I couldn't agree with you more. I think uh, Trey McBride will be a high fantasy football draft pick uh, next year. All right. Got a question for you, Dave, in the chat. Reginald Grimes asks, any love for Pirine over 14 and a half receiving yards? Samaj Pirine. Yes, that's one I like. Uh, I don't know what it is for Javante Williams, but I would imagine it's within 10 yards of that. And if it is, I would take the over there as well. And there you have it. With that, I'm going to give one last prop before we get to the recap screen or just before that. I'm going, this is a Dave-inspired play, but I absolutely love playing kickers against the Tennessee Titans. So Jason Myers over one and a half made field goals at minus 115. The over of kickers kicking multiple field goals against uh, Jason or against Tennessee this year is 12 and two. The Titans have surrendered 38 made field goals in 14 games including 10 in the last three combined. Jason Myers also is third in makes with 28 and second in attempts with 35. He does miss his share, 
but I think he's going to get at least three attempts in Tennessee. I think he can make two and at least avoid an o, another O for week uh, for me. Now, one game I want to talk about that you got, nobody had a prop on. You know, it's Christmas Day. You're watching some NBA. There's three NFL games are on. Proppy, your Philadelphia Eagles. They have lost three in a row. It has been rough. How are you looking at playing Eagles? Pro- is it is Jalen Hurts going to bounce back? Is this A.J. Brown whining time I deserve the ball? Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, where are you going with this game? I'm glad you brought up those first two names of Jalen Hurts and A.J. Brown because if you're a Sportsline subscriber, I've already put out two plays from this game on said players, A.J. Brown and Jalen Hurts. Uh, just to tip my cap a little bit, uh, I think this is a great spot for the Eagles. I don't see them losing four consecutive games. I see the offense being very aggressive. I think they're going to stick the proverbial foot on the neck of the Giants. I think they're going to really make an effort to close this game. As a result, I think the Eagles are going to be attacking downfield while this game is closed, and even when the game's not closed, just to ensure a victory and get back on track and sort of right the ship uh, in Philadelphia at home on Christmas Day. So I like the Eagles to respond in a big way. Dave, your thoughts on the Eagles. Is there any particular player? You were lower on A.J. Brown in your rankings this week than than your colleagues. Why is that? I Because I'm a little bit worried about just how much passing they're going to do, how successful they'll be at it. A.J. Brown hasn't been nailing those deep throws. Jalen Hurts hasn't been either. And they want it. It seems like they want to get their run game going. I'd be more inclined. There are two props that stand out in my mind. I'd like to know if you agree with this, Alex. Number one, DeAndre Swift over on the rushing yards, or maybe even the rushing attempts, or maybe both. I think he's going to continue to get a lot of work. This Giants run defense isn't very good. And then what is the anytime touchdown prop for Boston Scott, who over the course the of Giants his career doesn't score against anybody but the Giants? I believe he has like nine touchdowns yeah. in his career, including the playoffs against the Giants. It's almost like this, this uncanny thing. The coaching staff knows about it. They gave him the ball last year. Maybe he gets a tush push. Plus 350. That, that's, a gr- that, that's a great look. Yeah. If, if yeah. Boston Scott played against the Giants every game, he would have Christian McCaffrey as in the numbers. Yes, he would be. He's been that productive. So whatever it is, Boston Scott just finds a way to just make a huge impact. Uh, kind of, I mean, Brian Westbrook was great against all teams, but Brian Westbrook also went out of his way to really kill the Giants every time when he was a member of the Eagles. But yeah, Boston Scott, uh, certainly, definitely someone worth a look. I think that's a great look by you, Dave. All right, we got two more questions for you. Proppy, I'll start with you on this one. Trey McBride over 61 and a half and six and a half catches. Are you playing either? Uh, more the yardage, just his ability to attack downfield, has a deep A dot. The beauty of Trey McBride is that they're using him both when they're being blitzed and when the pass rush is holding up against the Bears specifically. The pass rush has improved, not to the point where I don't think it's going to be consistently in Kyler Murray's face. The reason I loved Trey McBride against San Francisco, despite San Francisco having an elite pass defense, was because of the fact that the pass rush gets home very quickly. In those scenarios, they're able to they're able to move Trey McBride closer to the line of scrimmage, and we saw him rack up a ten reception game and uh, kill the 49ers against the Bears who have a significantly worse pass rush that's going to allow him time to operate and get open down the field so I don't think the volume will be there but from an efficiency standpoint I think he makes a bunch of really big plays 
Dave, I want to ask you about Joe Flacco in his two starts, 44.3 or his three starts, 44.3 attempts. His number this week is 34 and a half. Are yeah. you buying the fact that the Browns are now a passing team? I am buying the fact that they're a passing team, but that line is way too low. I uh, It doesn't pass the sniff test to me. I think it's a sucker bet to take the over. Flacco also looked terrible last week. I know the numbers were great. Uh, other than his interceptions, he had three of those. One of them you can't pin on him. There were another four or five throws in that game, Eric, that really should have been picked off. He did not look good. Uh, the velocity on his throws isn't great. And this is a savvy Texans defense. Their pass rush isn't amazing. Their secondary has some holes in it. That's something that might keep him alive. But he moved out of my top 12 fantasy quarterbacks this week because I'm just not sure if he can have that high-volume day with over 300 yards and multiple touchdowns without the turnovers. Eventually, reality is going to set in, and Joe Flacco isn't going to have a big game. If you've got the guts for it, the under on that prop is where you hmm. go. It's a good thing I didn't choose that as my fourth prop because I was close. I just thought, wait, that that line is looks low, but you're right. It might be in sucker bet territory. All right. Let's bring up the recap screen. Normally, I ask you guys, what is uh, every what is your favorite prop of everyone else? But let's go back to something, kind of a theme that Dave touched on earlier, Proppy, of the picks that you made on screen. What is your favorite prop that you're giving out this week? Uh, my favorite prop that I'm giving out would probably be Justin Jefferson. Over 82 and a half. And Dave, once again, your favorite prop that you're giving out is... Justin Jefferson over six and a half receptions. And my favorite prop that I'm giving out, Jason Myers over one and a half field goals. Yes. Sometimes, the easy and, and you, But you know what? I got I to gotta credit Uncle Dave. He pointed this one out earlier in the week. I hadn't even looked at props. And Dave, uh, the mensch that he has sent me an email and said, hey, I want to take a look at these kicker props. The other one that you had mentioned, Dave, uh, Chase McLaughlin from Tampa Bay in a potential higher scoring game against Jacksonville. Uh, just missed my list. You know, I got to keep them down so you guys can can make more plays. But listen, 14 plays between the three of us. A lot to add to your stockings if you want to do that. Keep the Christmas theme. Uh, exciting times ahead. Happy holidays to everyone out there. Don't forget we have shows uh, on Sundays. Uh, Proppy, I think you're on. Are you on Christmas both of them? At noon Eastern and 730 oh, wow. Eastern. So you'll be giving out. Uh, uh, giving out uh, me. I will be on both shows on Sunday, EC, and I will be also on Christmas morning as well. So, ho, ho, ho. Let's make your stockings very juicy this week with lots of extra dollars and shekels and any other collectibles that you may or may have uh, not have. And uh, wishing everyone a happy holiday. Happy holiday, Uncle Dave. Happy holiday, EC. Love you guys, and I'm fired up. Uh, actually, the, I just found out there's no Sunday 7.30 show, so just the noon show on Sunday. Dave, any final tips heading into the holiday weekend? The last tip I'll say, we we usually don't give out this many props, and it's not something that we planned. It's not some you know Christmas extravaganza. It's just where our heads are at with all of these props. The ones that made sense to you, those are the ones you should tell. Anything that didn't sound right? Just see what happens with them. It's okay. You shouldn't be taking every single pick that we make anyway. We gave out a lot on this show, and let's hope – hey, I just hope I can carry my weight after that 0-3 last week. Jamar Chase getting hurt in the third quarter. That hurt. Najee Harris way off on that one. Brock Purdy, I guess the Niners are just that good. 
Uh, for uh, guys, I love being on with you. You guys are the uh, the true experts. For prop stars and Dave Richard, I'm EC. Thanks as always, and as I always like to say, let's hit it big. Good luck. Baseball season is in full swing, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, every weekday as we recap every player from every game. We'll talk waiver wire ads, drops, players to trade for, prospects who could make an impact, and everything in between. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.